we're glad you've chosen to listen to our weekly talkback. The weekly talkback is designed to take a portion of the teaching from this week to a deeper level. You may want to listen to this week's teaching, but it isn't necessary to understand the weekly talkback. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy the weekly talkback from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, let's just dive in a little bit deeper into the parable of the Good Samaritan. So in, the, in Luke chapter 10, we have this story where a man, an expert in the law, maybe we call him a lawyer, comes up to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of turns back around and says, well, how have you read the law? You know, you're an expert on the law, so how have you read it? He said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're correct. Do this and you'll live. But the man wants to justify himself, which probably means that the man wants to make sure that he is on the inside and not the outside. And so he says, well, who is my neighbor? Who exactly is my neighbor? And so Jesus replies with a story about a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he's attacked by robbers. He's stripped, he's beaten, they take away his money, and they, they leave him half dead. In the story, we have a priest who walks by, and rather than get too near him, walks on the other side of the road. And then a Levite also, or a temple assistant, also comes down the road, and rather than get too near him, goes on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, and some scriptures, when you read this, if you were to go to verse 33 in Luke chapter 10, it would say the despised Samaritan or the hated Samaritan. In my particular version right now, it just says, but a Samaritan. As he traveled, came to where the man was, and he saw him, he took pity on him. He bandaged his wounds, he poured on them oil and wine, and then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and he paid the innkeeper to look after him. And he says, hey, if the bill runs up more than I've given you, I'll be back and I'll pay it. And so then Jesus finishes the story, turns to the expert of the law, and he says, so who do you think was a neighbor to this man? And the expert of the law replied, well, I guess it was the third one, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now, what I really want to kind of lean into here is this, this idea of uh, why does Scripture say the despised Samaritan? Does that really matter? And obviously, I think it matters because I made a big enough deal about it in the midst of telling you the story to say some translations say this. I think in order for us to understand the power of this story, we do actually have to understand why some scripture reads the despised Samaritan. What's the relationship between Jews and Samaritans? Well, one of the things we have to know is historically, the Israelites or the, uh, the state of Israel or the Jewish people were divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom is captured by the Assyrians, and they, they make their capital a place called Samaria. And um, the Assyrians were a ruthless, barbaric people. And so I want you to just kind of go back in your memory to when you were a child growing up in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. And I'm sure you've heard the story of Jonah and the whale. 
And Jonah is this guy who God comes to and says, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh. And there are people there called the Ninevites. And I want you to tell them about me. I want you to tell them that I'm going to destroy their city unless they repent. And Jonah says, are you serious? You want me to go to Nineveh? You've got to be kidding me. And he runs the other way. He doesn't just run the other way. He actually charters a boat, gets on a boat, and sails the opposite direction of Nineveh. And of course, the story goes on then that God sends a big storm. Jonah gets tossed over the side of the boat by the sailors to calm the storm. He's swallowed by a massive fish. And for three days, he spends time in the fish until the fish throws him up on the shore, essentially, of Nineveh. And then Jonah goes to Nineveh. The question becomes, for most of us, though, why in the world would Jonah run away? God spoke to him. God told him what to do. Why would he run away from going to Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was a pretty violent place, pretty evil. In fact, some historians would tell us that the gates of Nineveh were actually decorated with dead bodies. The road was lined with uh, severed heads on spears or other, uh, other dead bodies of the enemies of Nineveh or people who had come to Nineveh but were unwelcome there. And so Jonah knows all these stories. He's heard all these stories. So when God says, I want you to go to this city that's like decorated with dead bodies, this place where if people knock on the, the gates of the city and they're unwelcome, they're killed. I want you to go there and proclaim that these people are doing wrong and that I'm going to destroy them. Uh, Jonah's like, uh, no way. All right, why are you telling me this, Nick? Well, because Nineveh is an Assyrian city. So the Assyrians take over the northern kingdom of Israel and they enslave the people. They're enslaved by these absolutely evil people. That's a part of the history of the Israelites, of the Jewish people. They know all the stories about Jonah and about the Assyrians. Now, you might think, uh, let's see, if you were captured by an enemy, you would hope that you would hold out hope for being rescued, or you would make it really difficult for your captors, you know, something like that. If you were to think about what happens if um, the northern part of Pennsylvania was to be captured by some sort of enemy, and you know, go a little bit north from where we are, and that's the borderline, and, and there's some enemies that captured all the northern counties of Pennsylvania. We'd think, oh, those Pennsylvanians stay strong, you know, don't give in to your captors, all of that, right? Well, the same thing would be true of ancient Israel. The Assyrians had captured the northern kingdom, and those Jews in the southern kingdom, well, they're also hoping that they remain strong. But what happens is that the folks who are captives in the northern kingdom they actually marry their captors. They have children with their captors. And this becomes a massive problem for the Jews in the South. They feel like they were betrayed. Not only has the Northern Kingdom really struggled to follow the call of God and some other stories in the Old Testament, but now they've chosen to interbreed with their captives. And so from this point on, the Samaritans are not just thought of as almost less than human, but they're thought of as mutts, interbreeders, less than pure. So when you have a story that Jesus tells, and the Jewish person, remember Jesus is a Jew, and remember that the Samaritans Jews don't get along, the Jews look down on them, who's the person that needs help? The Jew, right? That's the person who all of Jesus's listeners would think is the hero. That person is the strong, the wealthy, the wise person. They're the God-fearing person, but they're the one that gets beat up. They're the one that needs help. And the Jews' own priesthood, the Levite, the temple assistant, the, the priest, 
they don't even stop to help this Jew, this fellow Jew. Who's the person that stops? The despised Samaritan takes pity on the Jew. A, a person who would be a part of a group of people that has been for hundreds of years persecuted, hated, rejected, oppressed. You know what's really funny? Is at some point in history, the Jews in the southern kingdom are, are captive to the Babylonians. They're taken away. And probably a lot of the very same stuff happened. They probably interbred with their captors too. And when they were released to finally come home, you know, the Samaritans of the northern kingdom were waiting with welcome arms. And the Jews rejected them because they were not good enough. The person who takes pity on this Jewish man who's been beaten as a Samaritan, the hated Samaritan, the Samaritan who we think of as less than human, the Samaritan who we wouldn't even go back to their open arms when we were taken captive. Can you think of any people groups or types of people who've been oppressed and hated, sometimes for hundreds of years, for generations, for decades? Because I can. When Jesus tells this story about what it means to be a good neighbor, he uses the hated and oppressed as the hero. He uses the strong and the rich as the person who needs help. Jesus flips what we know. So what does it mean to be a generous neighbor? It means you need to be willing to ask for help when you need it. That's part of community. Community isn't just always helping others. It's also saying, I need help. I can't do this alone. That is a part of what it means to be a part of community. That is a part of what it means to be a neighbor. It's to say, I need help. But it's also looking for help where you can give it. It's looking for the places where you can grow by asking and by giving. Folks, Jesus flips this on its head for a reason. Look around you. Look around the schools that your kids go to. Look around the place you stop to get your cup of coffee. Look around your workplace. Who are the people that are despised, rejected, hated, oppressed, and looked down upon? Because those are the very people who you need to be a neighbor to, and those are the very people who God is also calling to be your neighbor. Oh, it's not easy, but it is pretty simple. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together. Thank you.